Well, good evening. Welcome to Long Hill Baptist Church. Let's take our hymn sheets and go to number 240. We'll sing, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, all three verses. Guide me, O Thou Great Jehovah, pilgrims through this barren land. I am weak, but Thou art mighty. Hold me with Thy powerful hand. Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. Open now the crystal fountain whence the healing stream doth flow. Let the fire and cloudy pillar lead me all my journey through. Strong Deliverer, strong Deliverer, be thou still my strength and shield. Be thou still my strength and shield. When I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fear subside. Bear me through the swelling current, land me safe on Canaan's side. Songs of praises, songs of praises, I will ever give to thee. I will ever give to thee. Well, good evening. Welcome to our 6 p.m. service here at Long Hill Baptist Church in Trumbull. I want to welcome you. Uh, our members and visitors, guests alike. I know we are expecting some, some guests tonight, so welcome uh, to everyone. Uh, I hope you have your hymn sheets. Uh, you've been able to download them from uh, the email that we've sent out and that you're singing along. Uh, I hope you have your Bible with you as well. Tonight we'll be uh, there again tonight, finishing up uh, the end of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13 tonight. So, uh, give you a moment to, to get ready, be prepared. I'm going to open us in prayer. I want to ask you tonight to be in prayer for God's protection uh, at this time uh, from illness, from affliction. Uh, there's a number of uh, not church members, but relatives of church members uh, now who have been diagnosed with COVID-19. So uh, let's just lift them up. We'll not, we'll not do that by name tonight, but uh, the Lord knows who they are. Let's uh, take a moment to lift them up, pray God's protection for them, uh, and pr his protection for all of our uh, friends and family as well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for uh, being the God who you are. Lord, thank you for being a God who works in trials. Uh, Lord, we do count it a privilege tonight to lift up those uh, who have been uh, diagnosed with COVID-19. Uh, Father, I pray for those who are sick tonight. I pray that you'll protect them uh, restore their health, Lord. Protect their lives, we pray. I pray for f their families um, and friends, Lord, that you would comfort tonight. And Father, we pray tonight that you would accomplish your purposes in each of these trials. God, we thank you tonight that we can know that you, you're growing your people through trials. You're reaching people. You're growing people. Uh, Lord, we don't have to worry or wonder about that tonight. Uh, and yet, trials are hard, Father. So I I pray, Lord, that you have your hand upon each one, and certainly tonight, Father, uh, we pray again, comfort our families at this time. I pray especially tonight for those who have 
uh, family members who have been affected. Lord, we lift them up to you, and we pray especially for them tonight. Now, Father, as we continue to sing tonight, I pray that there'd be a humble joy in our hearts. Uh, Lord, even in the face of great trials and difficulties, that uh, there would be a humble joy in our hearts tonight as we look to you, uh, as we dig into your word, as we sing of you and to you. Lord, I pray you'd comfort us and, and help us to sing out with joy tonight, Lord, knowing that you're in control. Father, that you are available to comfort us, that you are the God of all comfort. Lord, thank you. Work here uh, in these next few minutes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I encourage you to have your song sheet. If you have those, uh, we'll turn to 675. The old account was settled. The old account was settled long ago. Zachary. All right, we will turn to number 675. We will sing the first, the second, and the last. First, second, and last of the old account was settled, number 675. There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below. I went unto the keeper and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. The old account was large and growing every day, for I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle. I settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. And the last, O sinner, seek the Lord, repent of all your sin, for thus he hath commanded, if you would enter in, and then if you should live a hundred years below, up there you'll not regret it. You settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. Amen. And we'll take our hymn books now to number 465. Number 465, we'll sing the first, the second, and the last of Draw Me Nearer, number 465. I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me. But I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. 
Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by thy power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side and the last. There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Lord, I pray that tonight, draw me nearer to you. Take your Bible tonight, please. Uh, I've already reminded you that we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, we began the day by finishing up uh, the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians, and we'll uh, complete the day tonight by uh, finishing up the book of 2 Corinthians. Of course, we began this chapter uh, in the 11 o'clock hour this morning, and uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll finish it up tonight uh, here's 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Gave you a, a number of W's. Uh, I don't think I did a good job of giving you the numbers, uh, especially with regard to number three. So very quickly, uh, we saw that as Paul corrected them, uh, he honored the biblical principle of giving multiple witnesses. He, uh, he addressed their sin. He, he, he did not shy away from it. He addressed it rather directly. He did that more than once. He honored that Old Testament, Deuteronomy uh, principles of, of giving several witnesses, of truth being uh, confirmed or, or testified to, revealed uh, through several witnesses. That was our first W. We saw Paul warn, uh, he warned Brother Ray, the church of consequences if they did not uh, deal with their sin and uh, personally uh, and deal with sin as a church. And we, we talked much of, of God's warning of consequences. Uh, yes to the lost, if they do not come to Christ, hell is a very real consequence. And we talked about the consequences this morning of not uh, being right with God as a Christian. Of course, we cannot lose our salvation, uh, but boy, things do not go well if Christians are harboring sin, holding on to sin, not dealing with sin uh, in God's strength. Now we saw, no, and this was number three this morning, uh, Paul ministered, he, he was faithful to minister correction to the church at Corinth uh, despite his physical weakness, uh, weakness being the third W. Uh, he ministered in God's strength. And I reminded us this morning of, of this, uh, this principle that we see over and over again in Scripture. We do not minister uh, in our own strength. We cannot do that for long. We must stay plugged into God, stay close to God, uh, and minister in, in His strength, Him working in us and through us as we yield uh, to the Lord. And then lastly, this morning, we saw number four, uh, Paul ministered God's words, words of instruction, uh, specific words from God about not only the fact that they were guilty of not dealing with sin, 
uh, but then he, he, he ministered God's words, uh, God's solution to their sin problem. And you recall, he said specifically, they needed to examine themselves for evidence. Were they actually truly saved? Uh, were there multiple witnesses in their life since they've been saved? Uh, were there biblical witnesses, biblical evidences or proof of change of, of God at work in their life? Was there proof in their life that they were in fact saved? Uh, really, is the power of God evident in their lives? And if yes, if they were truly saved, uh, then they could look to the Lord for his power and his strength to turn from sin, to repent, to forsake it, uh, to leave it behind. So uh, that's where we left off this morning. I want to read through the passage again tonight. It's just 14 short verses, and certainly it's good and valuable uh, to read through the passage once again. So uh, take your Bible. We're here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 tonight. Here the Bible says, these are God's words, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Paul writes under inspiration, this is the third time uh, I'm coming to you, church at Corinth. He says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, there's our first W, shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you uh, as if I were present the second time and being absent now, I write uh, to them which heretofore have sinned uh, and to all other, to everyone else as well, that if I come again, I will not spare. So there's warnings uh, there of consequences. Verse 3 says, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is not weak, uh, not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, voluntary weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. The same power that Paul ministered in is the power that Christ ministered in. It's power we must minister in. He says, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Verse uh, number five, he continues, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves, test yourself against the word of God. Uh, are there biblical evidences that you've been truly saved? Uh, know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, uh, except or unless ye be reprobates, those who are not saved. He says in verse 6, but I trust that ye shall know uh, that we are not retrobates, reprobates, we're saved. Now, verse 7, now I pray to God, and we'll pick it up here tonight. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, uh, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. Verse 8, he says, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Verse 9, Paul continues, he says, For we are glad when we are weak and ye are strong. Uh, Paul was happy to sacrifice his own strength, his own physical strength, his own physical well-being, if that meant he could somehow encourage their growth. He says, second part of verse 9, This also we wish, even your perfection, uh, their, their maturity in Christ. Verse 10, he says, Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present, uh, I should use or have to use sharpness according to the power, underline that word again, the power which the Lord hath given me to edification, to build you up uh, and not to destruction. He had no desire to tear them down. And he says in verse 11, finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be mature, be of good comfort, be encouraged, be of one mind, be united, live in peace 
uh, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. He says, greet one another with an holy kiss, and all the saints salute you. The grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, be with you all. Amen. Amen. Let's stop and pray. We'll jump in here and make several observations uh, here tonight. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for these your words. Lord, I pray tonight that we would take a moment and just awe again, uh, stand in awe, uh, be awed at the privilege we have to have an excellent translation of the very words given by the God of all things, the God uh, who, who is you, Lord, uh, the God who created all things, our creator. Lord, it's not a small thing that we have your words written down and preserved and excellently translated for us in our King James Bible. I pray tonight, Father, that we stand in awe of that, that we uh, really treasure that and hunger and thirst after these words. Lord, that our desire tonight would be to uh, mine out uh, things that you would have each of us to apply in our lives in a very specific way. Lord, I, I pray now that uh, each of us would be asking you, Lord, uh, what do you want me to take away from this message, from this passage tonight? Lord, help, how would you have me to apply this in my life? Lord, help me to come to the message tonight, to these thy words, with that kind of humble yieldedness and submission to you. Father, help us now. Lord, work here tonight. Uh, Father, I, I prayed before the service, and I'll, I'll pray again now, and thank you that your words are quick and powerful no matter how they're being heard. Lord, we cannot be assembled here tonight. We are not assembled here tonight. But, Lord, we thank you that as I thank you that as your words, as your words, as thy words are heard tonight, they will not return void. They are quick. They are alive. They are living, and they are powerful. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work mightily, powerfully uh, through these thy words in just these next few minutes. Lord, I love you. I thank you uh, for the privilege to preach these thy words. Uh, work as you wish now, I pray in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. So we saw four W's this morning, uh, and I'm just going to pick up. This is part two of the morning message. Uh, so I'm going to pick up and, and just pick up in number five. I want you to see tonight that Paul ministered uh, as a man of worshipful prayer. Uh, Paul was constantly praying. Uh, we understand that Christ prayed always. And Brother Ray, you, you understand Jesus is God the Son, uh, he, and yet he prayed. He, he was in constant communion with the Father uh, through prayer. That was important to the Father. It was important to the Son. Uh, no doubt there was a desire to model that for us, uh, the importance of prayer, the importance of being in close communion with the Lord, uh, to be people of humble, worshipful prayer. Uh, it, is a, it is a dangerous thing. Uh, it is a dangerous and scary and um, probably uh, not a very fruitful thing to approach ministry without prayer. I don't care tonight what your ministry is, whatever it is, uh, teacher, preacher, song leader, uh, AV guy, working in the set, whatever your ministry is, whatever you've been called to, 
Uh, it's a dangerous thing. It's a scary thing. Uh, and maybe not a very fruitful thing if you are not approaching your ministry with a humble, worshipful prayer. Uh, Paul prayed constantly following the example of Christ. Look at verse 7. He says, now I pray. He's telling the church, uh, I pray to God that ye do no evil. Uh, he's, he's been writing about uh, sin and uh, the need for correction of sin there. And, of course, God has placed us into Scripture because uh, we need to be dealing with sin in our personal lives, in our hearts, uh, in our church as well. He says, now I pray to God that you do no evil, uh, not that we should appear approved, but that uh, ye should do that which is honest, though uh, we be as retrobates, reprobates, for we can do nothing against the truth but for the truth. Go back to the beginning of verse 7. He says, now I pray uh, I pray. Paul was always saying that. Brother Ray, he's not bragging about that. Uh, no doubt he wants the people in the church there uh, and in our church here and wherever you are to understand that he was a man of prayer. Uh, a big part, no doubt, of why or how Paul was able to continue despite great physical weakness and trials and weariness. Uh, no doubt the way that he knew the power of God uh, was through the word of God, but also prayer to God, receiving the words and then speaking words, uh, praying to God. Uh, Paul knew the direction of the Lord. He knew the power of the Lord. He, uh, he knew how to deal with people as he prayed. He says, now I pray, uh, I pray. This morning in 1 Thessalonians, uh, we saw Paul command uh, the church there, pray without ceasing. Start praying and, and don't stop. I want to encourage you tonight. Please uh, perk up, hear this, write this down. If you have allowed your prayer life to slip, uh, stop right now and say, Lord, I've allowed my prayer life to slip. I confess that. I've, I've sinfully allowed that to happen. I confess that as sin. And I pray, Lord, your grace, your strength to get my prayer life back on track the way it should be. Uh, Paul says he prayed. Uh, we're commanded, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to be praying without ceasing. Uh, this morning we looked at commands to pray, uh, the Lord's command in Luke 18 and Colossians 4 and uh, 1 Peter 7. Uh, one man wrote this. He says, not including the Psalms, the book of Psalms, is, um, it's a song book, but it, it's as much a book of prayer as it is a song book or a hymn book. You understand that. David was always praying. The psalmist always praying. Uh, there's the, it, it is a record of inspired prayer. It is an example for us of a, a prayer-fueled life, a prayer-filled life. Uh, not including the psalms, the Bible includes at least 650 prayers with at least 450 of them having answers to prayer recorded in Scripture. God answers prayer. Uh, men of God, women of God uh, are people of prayer. We're called to be in constant communion, to be in constant communication with the Lord. He hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. What an amazing privilege uh, to be able to speak to the God of all things, the, create, the one who spoke creation into existence. Uh, we have access to God the Father because of God the Son. What an amazing privilege and what a shame when we don't take full advantage 
uh, of that privilege. Uh, there's prayer all the way through the Bible. Uh, we see prayer back in Genesis constantly. Abraham uh, prayed for an heir, uh, a son. He received Isaac. Uh, in Genesis 18 and 19, uh, he prayed for wicked Sodom. He, he intervened with God, much the way Christ uh, intervenes for us uh, today. Uh, in Genesis 24, Abraham's servant Eliezer prayed for a bride for Isaac, uh, and Rebekah was revealed. Uh, prayer said, prayer answered. Uh, in Genesis 25, Isaac prayed for Rebekah, uh, who had been er uh, barren, uh, unable to give him a son, and God gave him a son. Over and over and over again, we see God's people praying. They have needs. They bring them in faith to the Lord. Uh, in Philippians 4, with thanksgiving, God answers prayer. Now listen, sometimes it's, uh, you're not sure what the answer is, uh, and that's okay, but understand, don't forget, God hears and he answers in the best time with the best answer. Listen, only he can do that. Only he is God. Only he knows uh, what is best. I want you to see several other things here in the passage. So uh, back to our passage uh, here in verse 7. I want you to see this. To whom did God pray? I realize this is basic stuff, but reminders of basics. Sometimes this is a good thing. Uh, he prayed to God. Uh, he prayed to God. Uh, this be God the Father specifically, normally, uh, and nearly every case, I believe we could say in the New Testament, that word God, G-O-D, refers specifically to God the Father. Uh, the word is used to distinguish the Father from the Son. Uh, it's God the Father to whom the Bible instructs us to pray. We have an example or two of prayer specifically to God the Son, uh, Christ. Uh, and yet in Matthew 6, 9, you know, in the Lord's model prayer, Jesus taught us specifically to pray to the Father. After this manner, he said, therefore pray ye, all of us, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we're commanded, we're instructed to direct our prayer to the Father, and that's what Paul did. Uh, Paul understood that. He, he told the church that uh, he prayed uh, to the Father uh, for them. Well, what did Paul pray? Well, again, back in verse 7, let's look and see. Uh, what did Paul pray for them? A church that was struggling with sin. Uh, Brother Ray, I'm going to stop right there and say this. I, I rather think all churches are struggling with sin to some extent. Amen? Uh, everybody is struggling with some kind of temptation. Nobody is perfectly matured in their walk with Christ yet. Uh, if you're sitting at home tonight and say, you know what, I think I'm good. There's just no temptation. There, there's, there's no sin. Uh, maybe you ought to pray and ask the Lord to help you examine yourself. Maybe there's a pride. Maybe you just say, no, I think I'm good. I, I'm just being honest. I'm not being prideful. Ask the Lord to show you where you're still falling short. Get into the Bible. Let God convict you through his words. Get down on your knees and say, Lord, show me, convict me. Where am I still falling short? Uh, you can be sure tonight that you've not arrived yet. You're not perfectly grown up in the Lord uh, just yet. So Paul prayed to God for them. He prayed that they do know evil, verse 7. He, he prayed uh, to the Father, to God, that they do no evil, all of them, uh, that ye do no evil. He prayed that their lives would be characterized 
by a growing holiness, an increasing righteousness. And of course, that's a big part of what it is to grow up in our walk with the Lord. Part of it is yielding. And as we yield, we have a, a, a filling, a strengthening of the Holy Spirit uh, who enables us to do those things, to live according to the word of God, who empowers us. It's not something that we drum up in ourselves. Uh, it's something that we receive from the spirit of God. As we yield to him, he sanctifies us. He empowers us uh, to, to yield and to obey uh, the word of God. Uh, in Matthew 6 and verse 13, uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, don't forget, Jesus taught us to pray, uh, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Don't miss the word us in that prayer. Uh, one of our men kind of highlighted that for me uh, not that long ago. Circle the word us. Lead us not into temptation. Uh, the Lord is teaching us, the Christ, Christ is teaching us there uh, to pray not just for yourself, not just that you would not sin, that, that you would not give into temptation, but that your fellow church members uh, would, would have the same benefit. Uh, us, lead not us, lead us not into temptation. That's a plural prayer. Uh, it's not just you. Uh, it's, it's you praying for yourself, yes, but praying also, taking care to pray for the, your fellow church members as Paul did, as Jesus instructed, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I wonder how much less we'd be struggling. I wonder how much more we would have progressed in our sanctification as individuals uh, on this day if more of us were faithful to pray as Christ taught us to pray in his model prayer. I wonder if we would just get faithful to pray as Jesus taught us to pray, to not leave out any elements of his prayer, most certainly including his instruction, his command, uh, his model that we pray that we not fall into temptation, but that we be delivered from evil personally and for each other. In Matthew 26 and verse 41, Jesus reiterates, watch and pray that ye, all of us grammatically, enter not into temptation. Why? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We need to be praying this type of prayer for ourselves uh, and for each other. By the way, if we fail to do that, Zach, if, if the Lord has commanded us to pray that for each other and we fail to do that, we call that what? We call that sin, right? <laughs> Lord, help us to be faithful to obey your model for prayer, to follow your example, to follow your command. And Lord, thank you for Paul's example. He prayed to the Father that those people in that church do no evil. And we have the Lord's example instruction that this is this for us. We need to be people who do the same thing. Of course, Paul is modeling what the Lord has taught him to do. That's number five. Uh, that's number five. We see, again, Paul, he, he maintained a worshipful prayer life as he was correcting them. He was praying as, as he was doing what God led him to do according to the word of God, the written word of God, and the principles uh, that he had from the Old Testament and so forth. Uh, he, he was maintaining a worshipful prayer life as well. Now, having done that, uh, number six, he, Paul shared his wishes or his desire with the church. And he actually he uses that language. Look at verse nine. He says, for we are glad 
And when we are weak, we'll come back to that in a moment, and ye are strong. And he says this, don't miss this. He says, and this also we wish. This is what we wish. This is what we desire. Uh, no doubt he's been praying for this. What's the next phrase? He says, even your what? Your, that P word there, what is it? Yeah, perfection. Uh, not that they are absolutely, totally, per the, it refers to a maturity, uh, as we've said so often. That word has the idea of completeness or growing up into fullness. It has the idea of maturity. Uh, and in context, of course, the idea of being spiritual uh, maturity. Paul's wish in all of this in these two letters that he has sent as the Spirit of God has directed him to pen down the individual words, uh, his desire, he understood God's desire, and his desire, his wish, was that the people in that church would be grown up spiritually, that they would be uh, perfected by the words of God as they receive God's words with the right heart. Uh, they, Paul understood that these weren't just his words that he was sending. These are God's words that he's sending and that they are alive. They're quick. They're powerful. They do not return void. This was Paul's wish, but not just like wish upon a star and hope maybe something might come true. Uh, I think here, Paul says this is, this is also his, his wish, but I think it's, it's a wish that he was very confident uh, in. If they would just receive God's words, God's words would have the effect that God desired, and they would, in fact, be grown up. They would be perfected. Uh, they would be matured. So uh, Paul shared his wishes, his desire, their perfection, uh, their being built up in the Lord along the way. So uh, their perfection, really, uh, uh, that's his, his desire, his vision, that they would, that when the Lord finally comes, that they would have, would have had achieved, there we go, that they would have achieved a, a very mature, a very yielded, and a very obedient walk with Christ. Uh, but Paul also understood that that was a process and that they would need to be built up uh, in God's words along the way, that there would be a, a process of edifying them, a process of sanctifying them. And, uh, and so he reiterates this desire uh, in verse 10. He says, therefore, verse 10, therefore, I write these things being absent. He wasn't there, so he's writing. Uh, Less being present, I should use sharpness. There's that uh, warning, that W being hinted at again. He didn't want to have to be sharp with them if he was able to be there again. He says, according to the power, yep, he's weak, but God is not. God has great power, uh, which the Lord hath given me to what? To what end? To what end, church? What's the next word there? That E word, uh, to their edification. Uh, that they, edification has the idea of being built up. An edifice uh, is, is the front of the building, right? The, the, the part that you can see, it's built up from the ground uh, to the top. Uh, Paul desired that they would be built up from the ground up in God's words and that they would ultimately achieve uh, a greater uh, and greater maturity. And look at the end of verse 10. He says, and not to destruction, uh, and not to destruction. Uh, that phrase, there for reason. I think so often there's a, there's a temptation to be frustrated with people in the church uh, sometimes we get frustrated with each other's imperfections. We get frustrated sometimes with each other's 
immaturity. Uh, that's easy and it's natural. Uh, but we have to take care that, yes, we are called to graciously, lovingly uh, exhort, encourage each other to a greater obedience. Don't forget that. That is a responsibility that individual church members have toward one another. Uh, you, you, are, you are called to pray. You are called to exhort and encourage. And, and, and part of that is to encourage people to uh, repent of sin, to forsake it, to put on obedience in the place of sin. It's not just the pastor's responsibility to do that. We each share that responsibility uh, as individual church members. Our desire should be to build each other up, not to tear each other down. And listen, that might be convicting. Paul says that it was his desire to edify them not, and not to destruction. Uh, he did not... He did not want to tear them down as he sent these letters and uh, as he was anticipating being back with them. It wasn't his desire to angrily tear them down. It was his desire to graciously build them up. Now, he'd have to be firm to do that. His letters have been quite firm, tender in places, but very direct and very firm. Uh, his desire was to be firm and build them up, not to tear them down. Please check your heart. Uh, when, when you are inclined to correct someone, to exhort them to obedience, check your heart. Is your heart to build that person up, to really build them up toward a greater maturity in the Lord? Or do you just kind of get in the flesh and you think, oh, look at that. Look what that person is doing. Look what they've done. Look at that sin. I'm just going to jump on them and tear them down. Uh, that's devilish. That's not godly at all. Uh, a godly, gracious heart, a godly, gracious attitude, a desire to be constructive, uh, to build each other up unto perfection rather than tearing each other down is what the Lord has called us to. And Paul says that. And so, Lord, Lord I pray, uh, help us. Help us to have a heart to be building each other up and to never uh, get into a place of fleshly anger and tear each other down. That'll take patience. That'll take a willingness to exercise grace. Sometimes you need to hold your breath and pause and pray and say, Lord, I need your power, your grace, your strength so that I can then go and lovingly, graciously encourage someone to greater obedience. That is our responsibility, and it is also our responsibility to do that in a gentle, godly way with these principles in mind. Now, um, I've struggled a little bit for my final W this morning, but uh, we'll have to settle for this. This is not inspired. God's words are inspired, Brother Ray. Uh, mine are not. Uh, finally tonight, uh, here Paul is winding up. <laughs> There's your W. He's winding up. He's concluding the message. And so often, the letter I should say, and so often as he does, as he concludes, he'll revisit some common themes that the Lord evidently desires him to reinforce as he is closing his letter. These are imperatives uh, commands from God given to the church members through Paul, who's inscripturating them. God has preserved them for us because indeed they are for us as well. So uh, very often, and if you'll, if you'll compare the concluding verses from Paul's various letters, you'll see reoccurring themes. 
they are reoccurring themes because God wants us to get a hold of these things. He very often, as we've said many times, will use repetition to reinforce what is uh, very important. Not that all of God's words are not important. They are. But boy, it seems like those things that the Lord really wants us to be focused on and, and walking in and living day to day, uh, they are constantly reinforced as you go throughout the Bible. And, and by the way, that's one of the values of reading through the entire Bible. Uh, don't, don't just have your favorites and, and, and read and don't, don't read. Read all of the Bible. Read all of the Bible. Uh, I praise God for some who, have, who did accept the challenge to read through the entire uh, New Testament, uh, concluding on or about Easter. By the way, if you're still working on that, keep working on it. Don't stop. Keep going. God will bless you for that. Uh, I'm going to come with a, a new challenge uh, here soon. It'll be uh, to begin reading in the Old Testament. We'll talk more about that uh, maybe Wednesday night. So uh, here Paul is winding up, and he's giving a, a, a series, a short series of commands, of imperatives uh, to walk in. You make that your, your seventh W if you desire. So see verse 11. Paul writes, he says, Finally, brethren, save baptized church members there, he says, finally, brethren, now make a list with me, please. We'll do this quickly. Number one, he says, farewell, uh, farewell. Now, I want you to understand tonight, this is not just a, a casual uh, goodbye. Uh, this is a word that was placed here by the Spirit of God. Uh, it's not just a Paul casually saying, okay, uh, good to have had a chance to write to you, be well. This, this is a word uh, that, that is a command uh, it's not just a casual goodbye. It's a command. Uh, it literally means be cheerful. Uh, it is com uh, elsewhere translated rejoice uh, in an imperative construction, uh, a command. This word is not just a simple goodbye. It is a command. Uh, it is a command to be cheerful, to choose to be cheerful, to choose to rejoice uh, no matter what. Uh, back in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, we saw that this morning. Rejoice evermore. Uh, that's the same word. Uh, farewell and rejoice. They're, the, they have, they're translated from the same underlying word. I want you to understand that. Farewell is not a casual goodbye. It is a command uh, to farewell uh, in your heart, in your mind, to rejoice, to be intentional about rejoicing in what? In the Lord no matter what your circumstances, uh, no matter uh, if, if there's a global uh, catastrophic pandemic, uh, we are commanded to rejoice. Yes, to pray, uh, not, uh, not to be ignorant or unwise, but to be wise about that, but to rejoice in the Lord no matter what is happening. Uh, we are commanded to be a people who rejoice. Let's be honest tonight, we have to be commanded to do that sometimes. Uh, sometimes we, we don't rejoice. We allow ourselves to sulk and to sink down, uh, to, uh, to seek deeper and deeper into sort of a quicksand of, of negativity and uh, depressed thinking. That's not God's desire. It's not God's plan. It's not his intention. It's not his will. It's the opposite of his command to rejoice evermore. We've got to determine to be obedient to this 
command. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Pastor, I can't rejoice. There's, there's so many things. Great, give them to the Lord with thanksgiving. Receive his peace, which he has promised. And along the way, ask God for grace, for strength, for power from him to be faithful, to be obedient, to rejoice. Don't be the sulker who's always negative. Choose to rejoice and ask God for grace uh, and strength to do that. Look at verse 2. I'm sorry, number 2. Uh, number 2, the next part of uh, verse 11. He says this, be perfect. He's not saying go around being goody two-shoes, uh, looking down at everybody else. Again, that is not what this word means. Uh, it means complete. It means mature. Paul is issuing a command. He's communicating a command from God to grow up in the Lord. Don't, don't just be content to muddle along as an immature baby Christian. That is not God's plan. It is not God's desire. It is not okay with God. Uh, he's given us a command to be perfect, to grow up, to mature uh, in our walk with the Lord. In Matthew 5 and verse 48, Jesus says, be ye therefore perfect. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not uh, just a hope. It's something that we have to choose, just like we have to choose to rejoice we have to choose to grow up in the Lord. Uh, listen, you, there may have been a time in your life when you, you were uh, getting to be uh, a young adult, maybe into your later teens and, and early 20s, and, and you realized that you just hadn't grown up practically. Uh, you hadn't learned to be responsible for yourself. You just hadn't gotten to where you should have been practically. And, and something may have happened which just kind of woke you up and said, you know what, I need to grow up. I need to be able to learn to do some things and to be responsible and uh, to take care of business uh, as much as I can uh, independently. Not that others can't still be around helping me. Not that parents can't still be a help and encouragement. Certainly they can uh, all throughout life. Uh, but you, you get to a point where you realize, I've got to grow up. And the Lord is saying, hey, you need to realize that you've got to grow up spiritually as well. You need to learn to rely upon the Lord more, to be yielded, to be obedient, to be faithful in all the things that God has called you to, uh, to be in the church services, to be watching at this time, to be giving and tithing and ministering uh, however God has called you uh, to do. You've got to grow up in the Lord. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 10, the Bible says, but the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, grow you up, establish, strengthen, settle you. Uh, we have a God who strengthens us, a God who comforts us, a God who settles us, a God who works in our lives uh, through suffering, through trials, through tribulations uh, to grow us up. God does that. You may be someone, uh, I don't care how old you are, I don't, I don't care, I don't mean that to sound negative or unloving, you understand. Uh, regardless of how old you are, that's better, or how long you've been saved, you may not be as grown up in the Lord as you should be. Well, there's no excuse for that. The Lord accomplishes that as we yield to him. You may need to stop tonight and say, Lord, I need to grow up in my walk with you. I, I need to stop making excuses. I need to grow up in my walk with you. 
I, I need to understand that you will accomplish that, 1 Peter 5.10. Uh, you make me perfect. You grow me up. You mature me. Uh, but I'm going to need to yield to you. So, Lord, I, I ask you for your grace, your power, your strength to yield myself to you. And I ask you to grow me up. Lord, you may have to uh, allow some suffering for a while, 1 Peter 5.10. Uh, Lord, whatever, whatever I need, grow me up, work in my life. God, I ask you uh, to employ, to deploy your power in my life to mature me, to perfect me, to grow me up. Not for my honor, for my glory, but Lord, for yours. I want people to be able to look upon me in my life and say, hey, there's someone who's maturing uh, in his walk with the Lord. Praise God. He, he, he clearly, or she, clearly has yielded to God, said, Lord, here I am, take me, use me, grow me, uh, help me to be in your word and be a person of prayer, uh, to be a person of yieldedness to you who knows your power, your grace, your strength in my life. And, and sure enough, that person is growing up. Praise God. Um, listen, maybe someone is still very immature in, the, in their walk with the Lord, but they are growing. You stop in a moment and you say, thank you, Lord, for that. Maybe you are still pretty immature, but you are growing. Stop and thank God for that. Say, Lord, help me to stay yielded to you that I would keep on growing. Uh, I've said many times in, in recent weeks, I don't necessarily know uh, anyone who's, of anyone who's been saved as a result of coronavirus pandemic. But I do believe that I see people growing as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Pray for each other's growth. Pray that we would each continue to be more yielded and more mature in our walk with the Lord. Uh, number three, it's the next part of verse 11. He says, be of good comfort. Uh, be encouraged. Uh, that's a command also. It's not a suggestion. Uh, the, the Lord commands through Paul, be of good comfort. Uh, be encouraged. Take your encouragement, your comfort uh, from the Lord and his word. It doesn't say this here, but boy, isn't it so much better to take that from God and from his words and from the spirit of God who was called our comforter rather than the world and the things of the world. Don't forget Solomon's uh, experience, which God inscripturated back in Ecclesiastes. So he tried all the things of the world uh, to find satisfaction and joy and comfort. What did he conclude in the end? They were all vanity. Maybe there was uh, satisfaction for a moment, but it was fleeting like a vapor and it was gone. Uh, it was vanity, like beauty is here and then gone. Vanity. Uh, the things of the world cannot comfort us. They cannot give us true, lasting comfort and joy and satisfaction. But boy, the Lord can, and his words can. If you will get into his word and be a person of prayer and stay plugged into the Lord, not just singing, draw me nearer, Lord, but really meaning that, you could find good comfort, encouragement. Uh, be of good comfort. That is a command, not a suggestion. Uh, number four, next part of verse 11, he says, be of one mind, uh, have unity, uh, consciously uh, determine in your heart that I am going to uh, seek a unity uh, where there might be some degree of disunity. Now, 
Uh, I've said recently, I'm not aware of a great deal of disunity in our church. There must be areas where we are not perfectly united. No doubt that will be the case until we were all home together with the Lord in heaven. But uh, determine, determine uh, that, our, that our church will be of one mind. Determine that our unity will be based around the word of God, nothing else. Uh, pray, pray for unity in our church, uh, a greater, more perfect unity uh, in our church. Uh, work to be uh, united with other members, with the pastor, with other members uh, in the church. Uh, be of one mind. Uh, Romans 12 and verse 16 says, be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Sometimes we have to humble ourselves to uh, admit we're wrong. I've been wrong about something. I've, I've come back to our church and uh, where, where I've taught something that was wrong or, or suggested something that I should not have. Uh, I've tried to humble myself and come back. And we all need to be willing to do that, uh, to humbly admit where we've been wrong and uh, where we need to move and change so that there can be a, a greater uh, biblical unity. Uh, in Romans 12 and verse 18, the Bible says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, uh, live peaceably with all men. And in Romans 15 and verse 5, the Bible says, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another uh, according to Christ Jesus. And not surprisingly, uh, number 5 here, the next part of verse 11, is this command to live in peace. Hebrews 12 and verse 14, the Bible commands us, Fall peace with all men. Don't be someone who's looking for a problem. Don't be someone who's looking to stir the pot. Be someone who's looking to promote unity in our church and to live peaceably with fellow church members. If you're looking for a problem, you're going to find it because we are not perfectly matured in Christ yet. If you're always looking for something to be critical of, you're going to find it. But there will not be unity. There will not be peace. You're always going to be uh, kind of off and uh, disenchanted and, 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 and grumpy uh, and, and displeased and dissatisfied. No, look, uh, look for opportunities to promote peace and unity in our church. That doesn't mean ignore problems. It means pray about them. And when it's wise to go and confront someone in grace and love, uh, do that in the interest of unity uh, and peace. Verse 12, Paul says, greet one another with an holy kiss. Uh, there's, a, there's a tenderness uh, pictured there. Uh, certainly that would not be wise at this time, uh, but what's pictured here, the principle of, of walking in tenderness uh, with compassion toward one another, we, we certainly can do at this time and find ways to do that. Paul encourages them in verse 13, all the saints salute you. And then uh, a final uh, benediction here, if you will. Don't miss that verse 14, uh, it makes reference to all three members of the Godhead, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, the grace, verse 14, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Uh, so be it. And so we come to the end of Paul's second letter uh, to the church, to save baptized church members at Corinth. There's a lot there. We've covered a lot of ground tonight. But maybe God has highlighted a few things in your own mind. 
maybe the Lord has convicted you about one or two or several things that we saw tonight. I want to encourage you uh, to not ignore those things. If, if the Lord has convicted you or, or just kind of had a few things to stand out in your mind, I want to encourage you to take a moment uh, and pray and say, Lord, you've dealt with me. You've dealt with me in this message through your words. Uh, I, I need to get right with you on this or this and maybe this. Uh, Father, help me to do that. Help me to, to really appreciate where I've been wrong and why. And, uh, Father, help me to put off disobedience or a wrong approach, a wrong heart, a wrong, wrong walk, and to put on obedience according to your word. Lord, I look to you for strength. I cannot do it in my own strength. I look to you for grace, for strength, for power uh, from you. Maybe you were convicted tonight about uh, prayerfulness, not being uh, prayerful enough or, or allowing your prayer life to slip. Listen, I, probably we should just confess that as a church. Lord, we're not as prayerful as we should be. Father, help us, give us grace, convict us uh, to be more prayerful. Uh, to, be, to be praying that you're working through this uh, pandemic. God, no doubt you have great purposes. Uh, help us to pray toward that end, that your purposes be fulfilled. And God, as they are fulfilled, we pray that you would withdraw this trial. We really need uh, to be people of much greater prayer than we typically are. I don't know how else God may have dealt with you tonight, but you do know. I want to encourage you to not ignore that. Uh, don't say, well, okay, the service will be ending now, and I can just kind of close my Bible and uh, navigate off to some other place online. No, I want to encourage you to deal with whatever God has highlighted or convicted or laid upon your heart before you go off and do anything else tonight. Take a moment and respond to the preaching of God's word and how God has dealt with you tonight. Uh, no doubt that is what the Lord desires. Let's stop there and pray. Father, I do thank you tonight for your words. I thank you for the power of them. I thank you for the conviction and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray tonight that uh, people not uh, ignore or try to sweep under the rug uh, the conviction that, that you may have wrought in hearts tonight. Lord, I've already said I don't know how you've worked in each heart, but I do know that you have. If people have heard your words, you have worked in hearts tonight. So uh, I pray, Father, if there's conviction that people would stop and confess what needs to be confessed and to look to you for grace and strength and power to put on obedience to you in, in place of the disobedience. Lord, there's people tonight, no doubt, who need to be comforted. Uh, Father, I know there's great discomfort in choosing to continue in sin. So uh, I pray that everyone, if, if there's conviction, that we would confess, repent, forsake, uh, and, and move on in, in, with your grace, your strength. But Father, that you would then bless, bless with comfort tonight. Lord, we are a people who need your comfort. I pray tonight and, and thank you for your conviction. I pray as we respond to conviction that you would comfort your people tonight. Lord, we need that. We need that, and I pray for that tonight. Lord, help us to be people who continue to pray without ceasing. Lord, I, I pray that uh, our church people would, would pray for this pastor. Uh, I need that. I pray that people would uh, pray uh, to be faithful, to pray that you would um, 
not lead us into, but, but, but lead us out of, away from temptation and evil. And Lord, that we would pray that for each other. And Lord, that um, there just be a, a visibly growing sanctification in our church as we stay in the Bible and remain in prayer and yield ourselves to you. Lord, I know you can do that for us. I know that's your desire. And so I pray that we yield to you tonight. Father, I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, I have no doubt that you've taken this time seriously, that you've made notes, and that you'll bear these things in mind. I want to encourage you again to take care to not forget the things that you've seen. If you've made notes, take care to review them. Look at them again tomorrow. Uh, look at them again in, in a few days. Uh, pray through them. Uh, Lord, show us where we need to make changes with your help. Um, Father, thank you that the preaching of your word does not return void. Uh, do your part to not forget those things that you've seen tonight and how God has dealt with you tonight. You'll not be sorry for that. Zach will come and lead us now in number 666. Hopefully you've got that printed out or you have that uh, access to that in another tab in your web browser. Uh, it's the last hymn in, in the PDF file that we sent out. Number 666, If Jesus Goes With Me. Uh, Zach, you come and you close us in prayer, please. Thanks for being with us. Alrighty, we'll sing the uh, first and the last of If Jesus Goes With Me, the first and the last. It may be in the valley where countless dangers hide. It may be in the sunshine that I in peace abide. But this one thing I know, if it be dark or fair, if Jesus is with me, I'll go anywhere. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Tis heaven to me, wherever I may be, if he is there. I count it a privilege here, his cross to bear. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. It is not mine to question the judgments of my Lord. It is but mine to follow the leadings of his word. But if to go or stay, or whether here or there, I'll be with my Savior content anywhere. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Tis heaven to me, wherever I may be, if he is there. I count it a privilege here, his cross to bear. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word. We thank you for the ways you've convicted us. I pray you would help us to respond now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat>